Coaching as Benevolence, a podcast for people who are curious about using coaching for self-development. I'm Erin with Roots and Wings Grief and Loss Coaching. And I'm LaShawn with Michelle Sage Place Positive Intelligence Coaching. So today we are going to talk about a topic that I personally love, and that is curiosity. And we're going to talk about how, of course, just like we do in um, the other episodes, and talk about how it shows up in our coaching, how it shows up in our personal life. And we're going to suggest ways that you can apply it to your daily life as well. So Erin, curiosity, um, what comes to mind when you hear that word? Well, last night, we watched the last episode of Lessons in Chemistry on Apple TV. Oh, and at the end, um, the main character talks about how science is similar to kind of just the mystery of, of life in a way, and that we have to look backwards sometimes to see the thread or the through line through all of our experiences to make meaning and uh, create uh, possibly like a hypothesis or, or, or also understanding that when we do look back, we have the you know wherewithal to do so. Whereas if we're trying to solve a problem in the moment or we're trying to create a hypothesis in the moment, we're still very much in the dark. So really it just goes back to that idea that questions lead to questions and lead to questions. And I remember when I went to grad school, I thought, well, I was going to get all these answers about equity issues in education that I was very curious about. And of course it led to more questions than answers. So when I think of curiosity, I think of this piece of as soon as you open and expand your mind to curiosity, then more questions come about. What about you, LaShawn, with, with curiosity? How do, how do you relate to it? Well, I, I think similarly, and I love that you use the word expand because I feel like when we leverage curiosity, we expand. And I think that's one way that we can expand our mind, we can expand our experience through curiosity. And one of the things that I particularly love about it is that it does bring a sense of joy, a sense of wonder, a sense of, um, I would say, discovery. Because when you're curious, when you have that curiosity, there's a lightness to it. Um, and it's, it's about exploration. And as you said before, when you were referencing that show um, that you watched the last episode of, um, the idea of, well, you know, when you were talking about the thread, I was thinking hindsight is twenty twenty, right? When we look back at something, it's very clear. Oh, I can see why this led to this, led to this, led to this. But when we're in the moment, problem solving, we are in the dark. And I think that it's easy to get really, um, to get stressed out when you're in the dark, when, you, when you're facing the unknown. Whereas when you approach it with curiosity, it gets rid of that stress for me anyway. And that's one of the things that I love about curiosity is that 
it brings in like the joy of discovery. What comes up for you? I like how you related it to the unknown because curiosity does that. It helps us explore the unknown with some buoyancy and it also helps us relate to people with less judgment. Uh, and, and I think that's really neat that curiosity has so much flexibility in how it can positively uh, influence our lives, not only through our experiences, but in our interactions with other people. And I know in a previous episode, I said, oh, I'm going to really apply curiosity at the holidays to, to family members. And I did that. And I, like you have said and talked about in the past, you feel different, right? When you're uh, engaging in conversations from a level of curiosity. And then the other thing that I've noticed over the past year is that people tend to kind of go along with their first thought, not always, but our brains trick us sometimes into thinking that's the best plan rather than saying, okay, here's where I'm at with my thinking. And now I can ask more questions about it. And now I can apply that coaching approach to ask more questions about it so that my mind might completely come up with a different idea that is maybe somewhat similar or, or a lot different than the original uh, thinking that we hold. So I've noticed that too, just in observing uh, just people and, and the way that we work in society and just have been more curious about how do we, in the moment, move our thinking um, quickly with curiosity to be able to respond to those interactions between one another. So that's, that came up for me over this, you know, the past holiday and, and also over the past year. Um, yeah. What about you, LaShawn? Well, um, I like what you're talking about, like in terms of like how we can, um, like approach situations and people or, or, you know, interactions with people with curiosity. I love that you said non-judgment. I love that word buoyancy too, as well. Um, and I think that, and, and the feeling, I really want to like hone in on the feeling just to make it more into like a physical, um, experience as opposed to like an intellectual experience. And that is really understanding how, when we are in a curious mind or when we are in curiosity mode, um, it does change the way we feel. And some of the emotions that come up for me, the feelings, the sensations that come up for me when I'm curious is I feel like I'm kind of at the edge of my seat. I feel like I'm, you know, um, bouncing, buoyancy. Um, I feel really, again, I want to come back to that joyful, um, really um, excited thrilled. Um, there's a sense of wonder as well. So what are some emotions that come up for you when you, um, when you have, when you're in a curious mind, or even like, if you could recall the emotions that you felt um, this past holiday, when you were using curiosity? I really like that question. And I think first it shifted me back into gratitude. So, you know, feeling grateful. Um, I also think that when I approach things with curiosity, I feel um, anticipatory, but not in an anxiety-inducing way. 
in an exciting way, in a, a joyful way, like you said, using the word joyful. Um, when I use curiosity, I also feel confident in my abilities to problem solve or to move uh, through life or, or even just be me because it helps me feel like I'm judging myself less even. And I think what I really like about curiosity is it's a tool that anybody can access at any stage of their lives, um, whether you know, you're a child all the way to 100 plus. Uh, but it is also a shift in thinking and a shift in way of being and a shift in feeling to move into curiosity as kind of a, a part of your daily habits. So I know you probably have a lot to talk about with the positive intelligence in relationship to making curiosity a habit. Uh, is that something you want to talk about now or do you want to stick with the feelings piece and talk more about feelings? Well, I'm happy to go to um, talk a little bit about how curiosity shows up in positive intelligence. Um, I talked about before in previous episodes about the idea of the sage. So in positive intelligence, we, um, we embody or we personify uh, the different traits that we have that serve us and don't serve us. And the traits that don't serve us those automatic behaviors, thoughts, ways of approaching stressful, challenging situations are personified as our saboteurs. And um, the uh, antithesis of our saboteurs is the, um, or the antidote to our saboteurs is the sage and the sage is your inner self your um the part of you the inner wisdom going back to benevolence and how that's a, a kind uh having to do with wisdom and kindness that is also part of the sage curiosity is a huge part of the sage the sage has five powers and the one of the five powers of the sage is explore and explore is um, very uh, attached to curiosity. You can't have, uh, you can't use Explore unless you're in a curious mode. And one of the things that we do with Explore is we have these power games that come with our, the powers of the sage. In order to access those powers that we all have and that we become the fascinated anthropologist in Explore. And we look at our situation from an objective view um, and we see it more as, oh, what's going on here? And we get curious about what is happening. And when we get curious, when we even use the word curious, um, and I find that when I work with my clients, if I say, oh, I'm curious, then it it opens up to, hey, we don't know the answers here. We're not in fix it mode. We're in explore mode. We're in let's, you know, let's find out what's happening here. Whereas it's a kind of a letting go of the outcome and you let go of fixing it, that idea that we need to fix it. We need to problem solve. This isn't really problem solving mode, although it's part of the process. We're really just focusing on what's out there and going back to what you said about questions lead to questions, lead to more questions. But when you're in that curious mode, when you're in that explore mode, when you're the fascinated anthropologist, you want more questions. You want to know more. You want to see more. You want to expand. And so 
your focus then becomes not finding the answer or the solution, but just exploring, learning. And that, I think, is part of curiosity. Learning is part of curiosity. What comes up for you, Erin? I like the idea of framing curiosity with learning and exploring, uh, especially thinking about how we feel when we explore. It's almost easier for me to answer how I feel when I'm exploring than how I feel when I'm curious. So that I'm a little bit now more curious about because I hadn't thought about that until we've had this conversation right now. Because uh, when I'm exploring, right, there is uh, a joy and a, a detachment from, like you mentioned, outcomes, but also findings, right? It's just like whatever you happen to come across, you appreciate with what it's brought to you or what it's brought to me, I, I should say, instead of using you. Um, and so I think that's really neat that curiosity can also open us up to that sense of exploring and whatever's being brought to us in the moment is such a gift. And, and it's kind of like gratitude, but it's also a little bit different. Uh, and, and so that's where I go kind of when I think of this exploring piece and then learning is always, you know, part of the human condition, <laughs> whether or not in terms of how we approach life, uh, we are constantly learning and taking in new information. And I guess I want to discern a little bit between taking in new information and learning. When we're, we're in the curious mode, that's when we're uh, able to approach one another, information, ideas with a sense of learning and a learning within ourselves to expand our own thinking, our own belief systems, our own ways of being. So I really like this idea of framing learning with curiosity in that way. And then if we're just taking in information and mindlessly scrolling through information or not really sitting with the information, I can see how judgment becomes such an easy kind of um, habit that just continues to form and, and kind of gets instilled in us. And it's like, how can I sit there and break that, uh, that habit of, of judgment to move into more curiosity there? So that's where I went uh, with those two concepts of learning and exploring. And I, I want to, I guess, hopefully I can frame this question. Okay. But somebody once told me, they're like, we know you like curiosity and you've certainly heard this phrase. And I know this is cliche, but curiosity kills the cat. Isn't that true? Is, can there ever be too much curiosity? So I guess that's my question to you, LaShawn. Can there ever be too much curiosity? Well, I, I, you know, part of me says, yes, I think there can be too much curiosity. I think if when I think about that saying curiosity killed the cat, it was, it's almost like, you know, um, when we explore, especially the unknown, it's easy to get distract not distracted. I would say get um, really hyper-focused in, in the figuring it out rather than, and maybe not be aware of dangers or things like risks and things that can come up. Um, so when I think about curiosity, killing a cat, it's like you're 
and you this comes up a lot with you know detective movies and stuff like that where they're getting too close to the truth or they're getting too yeah and and the people around that are protecting the truth are you know they're they start um attacking or or going after the detective or whatever so i think that that saying um is very interesting and i do think can you be too curious is there such a thing as being too curious i would i want to say no because to me um i approach life as this this uh i don't know school or lessons like it's all about learning um and i think that the more curious I get, or if I remain curious, um, the better it is for me mentally <laughs> to to approach life or to to get through life. Like when I switch from analytic, trying to find the solution, when I switch from that to really focusing on exploring and learning. Um, it's just easier for me. It's like less pressure. So can you be too curious? And, and the whole saying of curiosity killed the cat. I think that saying is um, indicative of a, maybe a fear of the unknown, a fear of where curiosity can take you. Um, and I think it's a warning. Like if you're if you're too curious, you might find something out you don't want to find out, or you might get into a situation um, where you know it can be potentially fatal in terms of killing the cat. And it's interesting that it's a cat, that it's a feline. So that's another thing that's really mm. interesting for me. There's so much as with so many sayings. There's so much in there. It's so loaded, but. Um, yeah, where I would say that that those those sayings I think are are put into place to warn mostly children from um, you know exploring too much because you might get into an area where one you can't handle it or two it's more than you really wanted to know. Um, but at the end of the, at the end of it all, if you think about what curiosity the benefits of curiosity, I would say, um, I don't think you can have too much curiosity. What do you think, Karen? I agree with you and everything that you said. And, it, you know, like anybody can apply any piece to that phrase, potentially, like judgment killed the cat, right? Um, <laughs> and so, yes, too much of anything can sometimes be a bit of a hindrance um, in some ways. And yet, yes, as you mentioned with children, it's a way to maybe frame in a way that I wouldn't, I wouldn't use that violent language probably with my younger children, but a way to frame, um, you know, boundaries that keep them safe. So on the other end of that, as we grow into adulthood, we can take that shift in thinking, right? Where those boundaries are really much put on us by society and adults and things like that. And, and we now, you know, are doing our own boundary setting, right? 
And so it's interesting because with curiosity to be able to set those boundaries, I need to stay in curiosity, in curiosity, in a curious mindset, right? And I don't want to keep thinking about this so binary, but if I approach my own boundaries with very strict judgment, then there's a lot of rigidity in my thinking and my approach to what I can allow into my life that might potentially be helpful and supportive. And yes, there will also be things that come in that are not those things, right? That are unhelpful um, and, and not supportive. And that's where I find curiosity, especially in grief and loss, the most empowering. Because when those things come into my life, if I approach that with judgment, I find myself often stuck in places of despair. And if I can approach myself with curiosity, not accepting whatever the bad behavior of something else or, or whatever, but accepting, you know, my movement through it with curiosity and, and non-judgment, then I think I expand my ability to live the life that I want to live and, and live a good life. So I like this idea of, you know, those phrases are definitely more for childhood and, and thinking about how we bring the uh, those sayings into adulthood to hold them with some level of meaning, especially if, you know, they have been impactful in, in various stages of one's life, but also to, to recognize, you know, I think curiosity equals adulthood. And, and, and you know, it's interesting because usually it's curiosity is childlike, right? And it is, it very much is. And, and But that's where I go with it. I think this like growing up, kind of feeling. What about you, LaShawn? It's really interesting that you should bring up adulthood because I thought also about um, the idea of expansion, of growth. And I do believe that to take a curious approach to a problem or to a challenge or to life in general is quite mature. I think it takes a maturity uh, to let go of reactive mode and shift. I think it's a it's a shift, like you were saying, it's a perspective shift. Um, it's it's a shift in mood, and I do believe that it takes a certain um, maturity to do that. So when you said that curiosity equals adulthood, I'm right there with you. Although when um, I embody curiosity. I often embody the like in the mind of the child, the you know, the child exploring the world, you know, out in the woods, figuring out what's under that rock. What is what would that feel like if I you know took my shoes off and I you know went barefoot in the grass? Or um, I wonder what that bark tastes like. You know, that kind of unbridled. Um, desire to learn through all your senses. So when I think of exploration, when I think of curiosity, I often do think of the mind of a child. However, I do believe that there is definitely some wisdom and, well, there's a lot of wisdom and uh, maturity in curiosity. And I wanted to kind of go back to what you said, because you mentioned uh, in your grief and loss work and in the coaching that you do. 
I wonder, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if our listeners also kind of felt this way. Like they're like, you know, listening to us and be like, yeah, that's all well and good. But what about heavy issues like loss, grief and loss? So where does curiosity show up in, in you know, helping to um, get through grief and loss? Yeah. I think of curiosity like a shield in grief and loss in that we typically live in a pretty grief illiterate culture and how to support one another. So it can be really hard as the griever to interact with individuals and, and you know feel a lot of judgment toward them. And those feelings are valid and okay, right? And yet when we put on the curiosity shield, we can approach the situation with curiosity, which helps us maybe feel, I don't know, less pain, less difficulty and despair in in those really hard moments of life. And then it also turns inward because I think when we grieve, sometimes a lot of things get very exasperated into black and white types of thinking because our brain is creating this whole new map after a big grief experience or during a big grief experience. So it's like, how can we take those big thoughts and big feelings and tend to them with small curiosity, right? It's not that we're going to go exploring on a large scale. Like, you know, sometimes curiosity really um, may work that way and it really may play a pivotal part in people's lives in that way. But it's something I think it's more about tending to the inner way of our thinking and feeling and holding things lightly. Um, And I think you mentioned that earlier about holding lightly, holding things lightly uh, that are just too big to hold so heavily and so tightly. And I think curiosity also takes us to two other things with grief and loss. One, when we have a large, you know, grief and loss experience, we often are completely changed. Not completely, we are often changed. We're always changed, right? <laughs> as, as the way it, we're always constantly changing as humans. But in, in response to grief and loss, we do typically have a change. There's there's an impact, and so when we can start to be curious about that, that expands our ability to open up to uh, new joys and new insights, new hopes, uh, a better way of living than what we were living before. Those types of things. And I don't want to say all this stuff too lightly, because I know that there is this very important space for sadness, right? But even being curious about our sadness just expands us to our experience. So I think um, those are the ways that I think of curiosity and grief and loss. And I think it's a very important tool to utilize, uh, whether that's to help with those thoughts and feelings, or to consider ways to be hopeful, or ways to protect yourself or, or, or those types of things. So that's where I go. Yeah, um <clears throat> as you were talking, I remember like one our one of our I think it was one of our first conversations about grief and loss and how you say that you know that changes a person and also it I it you used the word like open to things and it reminded me of what you said about being broken open. And there there's a lot of um there's a lot of like, sen- there's a sense of opening up 
and expanding. Um, I think that that is um, something that curiosity allows. It allows that that opening up. I think it's like a softening of the mind. Like you said, rigidity was another thing that you mentioned as well um, earlier on. So it's really interesting. And I, I'm really used our, our word that we're our word of the day, curious curiosity. I am really curious to know um, because this is something that I am still learning. Um, how does one when they are, and you used this word before, I believe, um, companioning a griever, or they're supporting someone who's grieving, how could they, how could we use curiosity internally and also externally? Um, you did mention uh, those three things that you, you think about when you are um, you t- uh, supporting a griever. And one of those things was like thoughtful questions and um, you know, showing care and offering um, resources. So, like, where does curiosity come when it's when it's about supporting a person who's suffering, or you know, supporting someone who's grieving? Yeah, I think in addition to the, I think curiosity is kind of woven through those three that you just mentioned, and I think one of the best places it can be helpful for the person supporting a griever, companioning a griever is their own internal responses. So, you know, I'm feeling and thinking this, well, why? How is that supportive to the person? Is this how I feel about the situation? It's probably not how they feel about the situation. Kind of just really interrogating our own thinking and feeling as as a first step can be really helpful. Um, And I think also, being curious is like the consistent companioning. So you'll see the griever evolve and shift and change over time and deal with really difficult emotions or, or have them and, and some really hard thoughts as well. Uh, so it's kind of like that lightly and that buoyancy of being beside them through all of that. And Instead of approaching them with a, a judgment rate, you approach you can approach them with the curious questions we talked about um, with that three kind of grief care model. Um, so I think that's another way is recognizing how you can be responsive with with questions and support rather than you know approaching your support with with judgment and as somebody who holds all the knowledge too like. Being curious as a companion, somebody who companions a griever, it also means you're doing your research, right? Learning about what research is out there um, and all of those sorts of things. So in addition to all the work that the griever is doing, your curiosity shows up as a lot of the inner work that you're doing yourself and the questions that you ask as well. Yeah, curiosity is not only the helpful tool, a helpful tool for somebody going through a grief experience or even looking back at grief experiences. It's also a helpful tool for anybody supporting a a griever. Um, Yeah. What about, you know, we've talked a little bit about our, our kids and, and your support of your daughter with like, you know, bullying at school or other instances, how has curiosity shown up in those conversations maybe? And, and do you have any suggestions on how 
you know, I as a parent can embody more <laughs> curiosity when I'm interacting with young people. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, you know, I mean, and this is the way that I um, approach situations, heavy situations with my daughter. Like, for example, if she's dealing with depression or she's just, she's expressing an emotion that she's experiencing before I would go into fix it mode and I would be like, okay, you know, how can we make you feel better? And instead I, like you were saying, um, you want to be internally aware of what's going on for you. Um, I'm sure this is the same with like, uh, companioning a griever, if you're supporting a, a child, there's two things I would say that I am aware of. Um, when I am interacting with my children, when they're in distress, they're upset. One, I want to honor the situation. I want to honor their experience by allowing them to go through it, however they're going to go through it. And um, I also want to be be present with them while they're going through whatever they're going through, whether it's my son um, upset because he has to go to bed you know, or and he's having, he's having a fit and it's like, okay, you, you're going to process through this and, and, and just again, coming in with that curiosity, be curious about what's going on with me. What's going on with him? How am I reacting, responding to his, um, you know, expression of frustration, disappointment at having to go to bed when he's in the middle of a game. And so just being curious about what's happening in this moment and how can I, you know, help him get through this um, without denying him the experience. And it's the same with my daughter too. She she has things that she's going through. I want her to be able to express those feelings and just listen. So I think that that um, mind of curiosity requires an, a willingness to listen, to sit back. And so you're not just listening to them. You're also listening to what's going on with you too. Like what thoughts are coming up for you? Like my my daughter will talk about a friend thing, you know, in middle school, friends are so important. And those are often sources of upset and um, confusion. And so it's easy for me to go to a place of, well, when I was in middle school, I had the same situation. And um, however, I have to remind myself and be curious about, hey, how is she handling the situation? What are her insights? You know, what what are her emotions that she's going through that she's expressing? So that's where I think curiosity can keep you in the present and keep you from kind of knee-jerk reactions to things that can be upsetting when you're when your kids are in distress it's very easy to like turn off your, you know, executive functions and go right into the amygdala and like really just, just oh, slay yes. the bear or whatever, you know, <laughs> that, but curiosity allows you to stay in that, you know, higher executive thinking where you're able to 
allow your children to experience whatever they're experiencing. And it also allows them to learn and to trust themselves, I think. Mm. If they can trust themselves and know that, hey, I can get through this because I got through this and being like someone there as a support for your children, I think that's also um, something that we can do as parents when we're interacting with our children and we can use curiosity to help us stay present with our children so that we're not going back to, oh my gosh, you know, my child's suffering. I need to stop that suffering. That's just natural and normal to be as a parent, to want your child to stop suffering and you want to like fix it right away. Um, But it also allows you to have that experience with your child and learn together. Hey, you know, how, how are you handling this? How am I handling this? Let's talk. Let's, let's explore together. So that it's not a, I have all the solutions, I can fix this, because I think we rob our children of the opportunity to learn how they handle a situation, because we're not always going to be there. That was a very long-winded answer. (laughs) But you said a lot of rich information, and uh, earlier on in that response, you mentioned something about listening, and it took us a about 30 plus minutes into the podcast to bring that word up <laughs> listening, uh, which is such yeah. a, <laughs> a key part of, of curiosity. I guess if we had a big word web and be curiosity and listening would probably be the first kind of branch off in a lot of ways. So I really appreciate that you brought that up. And then kind of this uh, fix it mode as a parent and the way that you address that through your ability to accompany or or be beside and listen was really skillful. And I think it'll be helpful to a lot of parents. Um, As you're talking, a thought kind of came up in my mind too about discernment because discernment is a type of judgment. But to me, curiosity is like good discernment or, or curiosity is discernment. So I get a little hung up in some ways when I think of like the wordsmithing of everything, because if you look at the definition of discernment, it's like judgment gone well or good judgment or, you know, things like that. Uh, But when I think of curiosity, I also think of discernment. So do you have any way to help me untangle discernment and curiosity (laughs) there? Because I'm kind of stuck there. Well, I think they're on the right track. I mean, I think that um, discernment is it's an, it's an objective hmm so trying to think of I you know without using <laughs> it is a type of judgment. It's like uh, but I say it would be like a positive um Oh, man, that it's really just, it's like kind of entangled too. So how can I help? But I really do think that you're on the right track in terms of curiosity, discernment. We we talked about listening. I think that discernment is a, like an objective, um, Maybe even, I would even say like a compassionate uh, approach or view 
of a situation. But I also think that judgment also has positives too, because you can judge something to be good. I believe that discernment is neutral. What do you think? Is there like, I would say that there's a neutrality with discernment as opposed to judgment is more of a interpretation maybe? Yeah, I don't know. I think maybe circular, like for me to discern, I first need to be curious, but I also need to have the discernment first Mm -hmm. to be curious in a way. So I see them as very, maybe the word companion, like they can Mm -hmm. companion each other uh, in almost all areas of of curiosity. Uh, Because we have to utilize a level of judgment to engage in curiosity, but it's also, yeah, it's also, but I guess in the way that my mind has framed these words, I've been thinking of, you know, here's curiosity and discernment over here and here's judgment over here. And I think that is all the internal work I need to do on the word judgment because mm-hmm. of all the like negative thoughts and, and responses, both internally and in, in my mind that come up for me when I think of the word judgment. Um, so, yeah, I think judgment alone may may still be problematic but curiosity and discernment alone are not mm-hmm. <laughs> uh that's i don't know i i'm kind of stuck in my thinking uh, and, and feeling on this one um yeah well um i think that that would be like a really good thing to kind of put out there to our listeners you know, you could go to our website and you could maybe, instead of putting a question, you could say, hey, what do you think discernment is? Or what's the difference between judgment and discernment? Um, in positive intelligence, the difference between judgment and discernment is negativity and positivity. It's It has to do with when you're in judgment mode, you have like negative feelings like, you know, upset, overwhelmed worry whereas when you're discerning you have feelings like calm you know um compassion that kind of thing so it's um it's really differentiated in terms of what you're feeling when you're in judgment mode or or discernment mode and one is of the saboteurs and the other one is of the sage However, I think just like I'm curious <laughs> to know, maybe we can expand our um, our our idea of of discernment and judgment. I I know that when I think of discernment and judgment, I'm not looking at like the dictionary definition. I'm going on lived experience and my training. Um, but I'm sure that there are academics and people out there who are listening to us who are like, I know. So please, you know, I would love to know what our listeners think of the difference between discernment and judgment and, you know, curiosity, what comes up for you when, when you, when you think of the word curiosity, when you think of the experience of being curious, of exploring. 
So I think this would be some really interesting conversations. If you're listening to this on YouTube, you can put it in the comments. If you want to go to our website, you can use our form that we normally use for questions, um, you know, and comments, and you can give us feedback on what you think is the difference. And you using that word feedback there, I set me off on another thought in my head. <laughs> like, you know, those things I told myself, I told us not to do at the beginning of the episode, like don't jump on the first thought, keep expanding that. But uh, this idea of feedback in curiosity, it's always, an, it's, it's a natural process, right? Like, mm -hmm. and that's, what's really cool too about curiosity because we do get feedback. And, and I think that might be my coaching strategy for today. Mm -hmm. is when we're in curiosity mindset, like just be aware of the feedback you're getting. What are the cues you're getting in nature, in relationships, all around you, uh, in experiences, and, and just being more open to recognizing that feedback as a way to inform your curiosity and then your way of living and being. And yeah, so that's my tip of the day, to be open to the feedback that you get from curiosity. Yeah, I love that. My tip of the day would be to be observant of the emotions that you feel around curiosity. Um, what does it feel like to be curious, to be, um, to discover, you know, to, to be in the mind of, of exploration? So what does it feel like? So I would, I would, um, my tip would be to really be aware of your emotions. What are you, what are you feeling when you're curious? I love that one so much. And you brought it up a in a way um, in a couple episodes. And every time you say it, I, it just clicks in my mind and, and heart. Like, oh, yes, what am I feeling? Um, <laughs> and just to pause and think about those things is so helpful. So helpful. Thanks for joining us for Coaching as Benevolence. I'm LaShawn with Michelle Sage Place, Positive Intelligence Coaching. And I'm Erin with Roots and Wings, Grief and Loss Coaching. Have a benevolent day.